Well, hello there, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, but I don't know that for a fact. I'm just taking my parents' word for it. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter, and Instagram, and of course, the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash how good it is pod Ooh, here's a fun trivia question for ye back in the 60s there was a band called the big thing the usual material ran along the lines of protest songs against things like president nixon and the military industrial complex or pollution in the environment but they also did covers of top 40 hits before they changed their name and they made it big what is the name we now know the big thing by. As usual, I will have the answer for that at the end of the program. So today we're going to talk about Charles Whedon Westover, the son of Bert and Leona uh, Mosher Westover, and a native of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Charlie grew up in the nearby town of Coopersville, Michigan, and he learned to play the ukulele and guitar, and he listened to a lot of that old school country and western music largely because old school is all the country and Western music there was in those days. Charlie was drafted into the U.S. Army in 1954, and while he spent some time in Germany, he played in a band called the Cool Flames. After his tour of duty ended, he returned to Michigan, a city called Battle Creek. He spent his days selling carpeting and transporting furniture, and his evenings as the rhythm guitar player in a band called the Moonlight Ramblers, fronted by a guy named Doug DeMott. In 1958, however, Doug DeMott was fired from that group for drunkenness, and Charlie Westover took over as a singer, calling himself Charlie Johnson and changing the name of the band to the Little, I'm sorry, to the Big Little Show Band. There you go. But it wasn't until 1959 that things started to happen for Charlie and Company when he added a keyboard player named Max Crook to the lineup. You see, Crook had invented a musical instrument called the Musitron, and its sound really changed things for the a Big Little Show Band. So what is the Musitron? I'm glad you asked. The Musitron is a modified version of the Claviolline, and the Claviolline is one of the forerunners of the analog synthesizer. A typical Claviolline is basically a keyboard, a separate amplifier and speaker, and a bunch of switches in between. The switches are meant to change the sound of the tone that the keyboard produces by maybe adding some vibrato or some other effect to the tone. I've got here a brief clip of somebody demonstrating a Claviolline. First, he holds down a single key and he plays with some of the switches. You'll hear him speaking in German briefly, and then he does a little bit on the keyboard. And then finally, he holds a single note, but he plays with a knob that will adjust the pitch. Notice, by the way, that the keys themselves are kind of noisy. Some gear for skelly, Now you've heard a more typical clavio line in songs like Telstar and on the Beatles' Baby You're a Rich Man, which John Lennon set to sound kind of like an oboe. Now I don't know the specifics, but Max Crook took a clavio line and modified it pretty heavily to come up with the Musitron. One thing I do know is that it has a smaller range of notes. The clavio line has three octaves of range, while the Musitron, according to Crook, only has two and a half octaves. Not a lot of notes worth of difference, but still different. So it was Crook who made some recordings and uh, got the attention of a local disc jockey to listen to the band. That DJ, Ollie McLaughlin, 
uh, bought the, uh, brought the demos to Big Top Records, and they were signed to a contract in 1960. The big shots at Big Top suggested that Charlie Westover change his name, so Charlie took on the name Del Shannon, deriving the name Shannon from a local wrestler and Del from the Cadillac Coupe de Ville, which was his favorite car. Now, Big Top Records wasn't especially impressed with Runaway, which was still titled Little Runaway. They thought it was too gimmicky because of the Musitron's prominence in the song, and they thought it tried to be a couple of different things without really committing to any of them. But what's interesting to me is that the band had really worked out that song when they were playing live. Both Del Shannon and Max Crook said in interviews that they would play the song over and over again, trying to nail certain sections until the club managers would complain and tell them, hey, play something else. But by 1961, he had reworked Little Runaway into Runaway, eliminating the Musitron early in the song, really up until the bridge, but then you hear it through the rest of the record. The song was recorded on January 21st, 1961 at the Bell Sound Recording Studios and released just a few weeks later. Now, while the Musitron definitely gave Runaway um, a sound that practically nobody had heard before, I want to call attention to uh, Mo Wexler's work on the piano early in the song. I want you to listen specifically for that piano, okay? there isn't a lot of it, but to my ear, that piano does two different things. First, the opening makes the song sound like surf rock, but the piano immediately takes that notion away. And second, because it's taking the place of the musitron, it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting in that first half of the song. A lot of the notes Wexler's playing are echoed in Max Crook's bridge, but it's really the other way around. Crook wrote the bridge when they first put the song together. Remember all that time they were playing it over and over and over again? So now Wexler's just foreshadowing what you're going to hear. So the piano, in my opinion, is the sneaky MVP of this track. The record was released in February of 1961, and it charted almost immediately. After just eight weeks on April 24th, Runaway was the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100, where it stayed for four weeks. And just a few weeks later, it reached the top of the New Musical Express and the record retailer charts in the UK, where it spent about three weeks. And it was a top five hit in several European nations, plus Australia and New Zealand. The song has been covered many, many times, including a pair of re-recordings that Del Shannon himself did. The first was in 1967, and after its release, it reached number 122 on Billboard's Bubbling Under chart. And in 1986, he recorded a version with slightly different lyrics, which was the theme for the NBC TV series Crime Story, which was set in the early 1960s. Elvis Presley covered the song during a series of concerts in the summer and fall of 1969, which appeared on the album On Stage, February 1970. As it happened, Del Shannon was in the audience one night, and Elvis pointed him out to the crowd. I'm told you can hear that on the Collector's Gold album, but I will leave you to you to hunt that one down. I'm walking in the rain, feeling falling and I feel a pain. Okay, here's one from the What the Hell file.
This is Lawrence Welk and his orchestra, and it managed to spend six weeks on the Hot 100, peaking at number 56. It was also a top five record in Hong Kong and number eight on Canada's CHUM Hit Parade. How about that? All right, I think my personal favorite cover comes from 1977. Bonnie Raitt did in a more bluesy style for her album, Sweet Forgiveness. As a single, it went to number 58. You hear that? It didn't do as well as Lawrence Welk. What's the matter with people? Group the Traveling Wilburys did a cover with Jeff Lynne singing Lee. You can find that on the 2000 reissue of the Traveling Wilburys Volume 3 CD. Of course, Roy Orbison doesn't appear on the record since he had already died by then, but the song is especially poignant because after Orbison's death, Del Shannon was being considered to replace him in the Traveling Wilburys. Unfortunately, Shannon was suffering from depression and took his own life in February of 1990. The Wilburys recording was a tribute to Del Shannon, and Jeff Lynne helped co-produce Shannon's last album, which was released posthumously the following year. There's no credit for Max Crook on the Wilburys album, but it does sound like they used the Musitron in the bridge. one more thing for you to share. I, it was mentioned that, that the Van Scandal starring Patti Smythe, they, they had a single uh, back in the 80s called uh, Goodbye to You. And somebody had said that the keyboard solo in Goodbye to You was almost a note-for-note cover of Runaway. I, I'm not sure about this one. I'm going to leave it to you to decide. Inclination is no, I don't think so. Anyway, Del Shannon had a bunch of hits, but Runaway was definitely his biggest, and Shannon was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's class of 1999. And now it is time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I told you about a band that was originally known as The Big Thing before they became a big thing, and what was their name before they got famous? 
Well, the big thing got its origins in February of 1967, mostly as college students and having played with other groups. Later that year, they added a bass player and another singer who could sing in the tenor range. And in mid-1968, their manager talked them into moving to Los Angeles and signing with Columbia Records. And that's when they changed their name to Chicago Transit Authority. Shortly after their first album came out, they shortened their name to Chicago to avoid a lawsuit being threatened by the real-life transit company with that name. That's a full lid on yet another edition of How Good It Is. If you are enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditispod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or, ah, so many options, you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks, as ever, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. We are still a featured show on that that app. Next time around, we are going to find out how good it is when we take yet another peek under the covers. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.